Hey y'all, it's your favorite host, and I wanted to just pop in here to say, uh, if you're enjoying the show uh, and you'd like to give us some support, the best way to do that is through Patreon. Uh, I've launched the Patreon with a couple of tiers. There's a $3 tier, which gives you access to the Discord, and you come hang out with uh, me and the other friends inside of that, uh, and just kind of talk the show, talk a bunch of different nerd stuff. And then there is a, another tier, an $8 tier, uh, where you can get early access to episodes ad-free. Um, you will also get free access to all uh, micro-RPGs that I create in the future. Yeah, so again, uh, thank you so much for listening to the show. Um, if you'd like to give additional support, that's one way to do it. Another great way to do it is just, you know, go on to whatever platform you're listening to and rate the podcast. Subscribe, uh, follow, leave a review if you can. Um, those things really help gain visibility for the show, and it is always greatly appreciated. Link is in the description. Thank you so much, and back to the episode. Welcome to the Secret Nerd Podcast, where we think everyone should play tabletop RPGs and give you some reasons why. I'm so excited for this. For today's episode, I actually got to meet uh, this person a couple weeks ago. We did a panel together, and uh, yeah, this uh, perfect timing. Um, it's her birthday, so I don't. Yeah. Uh, without it's, further ado, please introduce yourself. <laughs> Thank you for that introduction. Yes, up, y'all? It's me, Wally, your favorite non-binary slime best friend on the internet. Uh, you can find me at W A L L E one three two, just like the cute little Disney robot where you can find me talking about everything that I enjoy doing. I am a TTRPG, TTRPG streamer, performer, and just overall personality, I want to say. Yeah. yeah, personality and face out there in the uh, TTRPG, TTRPG community. Much beloved, too. Um, I don't think I've ever met a person where your name was mentioned and they didn't just like gush about how much they loved you. So it, it's, it's, one of those, it's one of those things that's like... Uh, uh, I, 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 I feel like I'm humble to a fault in a weird thing. Like I'm humble in that, uh, when people say I, I'm more than happy to talk about myself. Like I'm more than happy to like say, yeah, I am awesome in yeah. everything that I do. I know what I'm about. But when someone's like, Hey, Wally, you want to talk about your individual things? Like, <laughs> can I just do a blanket statement and be done with it? Yeah. Like I have that much confidence in myself, just a blanket statement's fine. Yeah, yeah. No, I got you. Yeah. So it's totally. like whenever someone says, like, well, these people so many people talk about you, I'm like, why? <laughs> yeah. No, I get it. It is a, it's a it's an interesting thing, like being in the TGRPG's Twitter space, especially like um, because there's so many like people who are like at this higher level of of uh of recognition. Oh yeah. Um, and there's like, you know, you kind of tear down and it's like the more of those more people you meet, it's like, oh yeah, like we're all cool. Like we're all love the same things. Um, we're trying back and forth. And so it's like this really nice blend of like people who are like 
you know, deep in it, tens of thousands of followers uh, and other people who are like myself. I'm like, well, yeah, I interviewed them and we became cool. And now like, you know, I only have 500 followers, but for some reason, all these people like me. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like when people, when I ever see people that I have uh, done so many things with, that I've done so many things in the past with that I'm really cool with and I talk about with all the time. And then they make a post saying, hey, I only have 500 followers. I'm like, what? <laughs> what? That doesn't that, that doesn't make sense. And I'm like, I'm, I, I feel like you know, like that meme of like the lady looking at the like the numbers like flying past her face. That's yeah. me right there. I'm like, wait, yeah. no, that that doesn't that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, <laughs> you know, sure. it's like one of those things. It's like I I feel like I, I feel like everyone in the TTRPG community that I've ever encountered just deserves so much more accolade than mm-hmm. they really do. And I, I think that's just my thing is like, I don't know. I just try my best to like um, let people know of people around me who are just awesome. And I just enjoy spending time with them and just telling stories with them. Yeah. Um, and I, I feel like that's kind of like, like my whole drive to do stuff <laughs> in this space, I guess. It's yeah. just, I just want to meet new people. And and have fun with all these people and try my best to be like a voice of representation of like mm-hmm. of of what I am, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think I think you do a great job of that. That's how I originally like learned about you. It I think you're just like like you're just like, "Oh yeah, I hope my friend so and so has a great day." Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like that's yeah, fuck yeah. Um but yeah, it's it is, it's interesting to see like it, and it's, I don't know. I, I think it's one of those things like how much does a Twitter number matter? Not that much. Um, yeah. uh, I've been able to do incredible things w- with the numbers that I have. So like, but I think it, it is important to just be genuine, um, which I think is the appeal, like, mm-hmm. you know, um, to a lot of folks. So yeah, yourself included. Um, but yeah, speaking of yourself included, where I always like to start is how did you get into nerd stuff? Oh, wow. That's, that's a perfectly, perfectly timed question. <laughs> um, I would say uh, I first got into nerd stuff. I think it was like my birthright almost. Mm-hmm. Um, so my name, uh, like my name is Wally, yeah, but my birth mm-hmm. name is Walter. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a story behind that. So when I was born, um, my dad, well, my dad wanted to name me. Uh, he wanted to name me Wally West. He named me mm-hmm. after Wally West, the fl- yeah, after yeah. the Flash, Wally West, yeah. right? Because he loved comic books, and he kind of like wanted me to have a W name also because my mom name was Wynette. and um, so he wanted me to have a W name also, and his name was Walter. So mm-hmm. my mom was like, I am not naming him after a comic book character, right? So my dad was like, fine, whatever. We'll just name him after me, right? So yeah. growing up, Walter Orm Jr. was my name growing up. Yeah. Walter Orm Jr. Uh, as I got older and I started like doing like more like, oh, time for like soul searching, separating myself, finding my own identity. I started calling myself Wally, right? Mm-hmm. That was just like, yeah, calling myself Wally. And um, also, it, it helped that my dad really got me into comic books as a kid. Yeah. So I also call myself Wally because of like Wally West. Yeah. And um, so I, after like a while that I told my dad, hey, dad, uh, you can start calling me Wally now. You know, don't call me Walter. It's, it's fine. I, I like the name Wally. Is a better definition of me. And my dad was like, excuse me. I'm like, yeah, my name, just, just call me Wally now. And the look my dad had of like, I did it. 
Yeah. Because it was just full circle. Because he got yeah. his way at the end of the day. That he said, like, I went by the name Wally at the end of the day. But, yeah. like, yeah, it's like, I always feel like comic books has, like, always been, like, like, like geek culture has always been something that's kind of ingrained in my soul. Um, mm-hmm. Like, my dad was, like, kind of, like, fit, like, the category of, like, the Gen Z boomer who wanted to pass on all of, like, the things that made them happy. Yeah. Down to me kind of thing. And my dad, he just really liked comic books, you know? And um, so he would always tell me, like, stories of, like, comic book characters. Like, he, like I, he didn't buy the comic. He didn't buy any comics, you know? But he would just sit down and tell me the stories of them. Like, so <laughs> growing up, he would tell me the origin stories of Batman, of Superman, of The Flash. Like, that was just, like, my bedtime stories, like, growing yeah. up. So then when I got old enough uh, to read comic books, he started buying me comic books, like, every now and then. As like a, like instead of like giving me like an allowance, like a little reward every month, one comic mm-hmm. book, and that's how I got into comic books. I just read. I didn't couldn't read them all, you know. I just like enjoyed the pictures, but it was just they were just so, like the images were so in- captivating. They just drew me in. Yeah. Um. That I just got into comic books, and then that just led into cartoons because I would see a lot of the characters in the comic books on TV, and I'm like, oh wait. That's them on TV. Let me watch that. So mm-hmm. then I started watching that. And then, you know, because Batman, the animated series, God, it's yeah, the greatest yeah. TV show in the yeah. world. So, um, you know, but that was when I got into cartoons big time was I started watching Batman, the animated series. And that was like the first, because like I watched like things like Looney Tunes and everything because like it was funny mm-hmm. to watch. But when I watched Batman, the animated series, um, I think that was the first time that I saw cartoons as more than just like, uh, you know, wacky pictures on a screen, yeah. but something that can actually tell a story, something mm-hmm. that like has a story that I just am so captivated in, you know, it was something that was telling something that I normally couldn't like, you know, see anywhere. And then that was like when I went back and then I started even having a more appreciation for comic books because yeah. then I saw like the links of like, this is not just like uh, pretty pictures with stories. No. This is real art. This is a real art form. And then I started just appreciating animation and comics as an art form. And that got me into anime and that got me into sci-fi, into fantasy. And I think it was, it all just started because my dad helped me appreciate uh, comic books as not just, as, as, as stories before they were comics. Mm-hmm. Because he told me the stories first. And then I got into the comic second. So I, I, I guess it really helped that um, I got into all of this because I just, the appreciation of stories yeah, and what they are and the stories that can be told. And it's just the various feelings they can convey in me is, I think, is what got me into, into like the geek culture in, in self. Yeah. Yeah, that's super cool. I think, I mean, especially like those early cartoons um, are just so damn good. Yeah. You know? That I like to this day, God, it's been probably 20 some years, even, mm-hmm. you know, since I've seen it. But like the, uh, the series of episodes towards the end, I think of the animated series when he's getting ready to fight Raja Ghoul and he's yeah. like, he's like trying to learn like the two finger touch and like, mm-hmm. you know, and going through that whole thing. Like that's that those episodes like still live in my brain um yeah. but you're right it's you know it was more than just that like animaniacs like you know hello nurse hit mm-hmm. somebody with a <laughs> sledgehammer yeah, like, type of stuff I, I have a i have an appreciation for that you yeah, cannot yeah. not have appreciation for it yeah 
Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, that's super cool. It, so, I mean, obviously that stuff has like stuck with you um, to this day. Uh, we were just talking about anime before we started uh, <laughs> going on the <laughs> on the call. Um, but yeah, that's really cool. So uh, remind me, if you will, did you grow up in New York? Am I remember that? Yes, okay. I grew up in New York City. Um, all my life grew up in New York City. So yeah, born and raised. Yeah. So for you growing up in New York, um, what was that like to like experience geek culture and and grow up there? Like, um, did, was it something that was like, um, did it have a stigma at all for you or? Kind of. I, I would say uh, there was like two. Po- there were like two points in my life where my geek culture uh, was really like I really kind of saw like myself on the outside and myself on the inside. Like my mm-hmm. like, two parts of like geek culture, especially in like growing up in New York City. Because like if you grew up in New York City, especially if you grew up in Manhattan, like I mm-hmm. did, yeah, yeah, you see very two very distinct halves of New York City. You see the hood of New York City. You mm-hmm. see where black folk. You see where the. You see the. You see. You see Spanish Harlem. You see the Dominic. You see the Dominicans. You see black folk. You see every. You see like the hood that represents of like the grittiness of New York City. Mm-hmm. You see the pe- the people the the flavor of New York City. The people of color of New York City. Then you have white New York City. Yeah. There's there's a very distinct difference, especially in Manhattan, because like. When you look at the out, because especially when I was growing up, um, gentrification wasn't a thing yet. It, yeah. it was there, but it wasn't a huge thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, in when it came to like living in New York City, uh, if you lived in like the if you lived in Bronx or Brooklyn, no white people at all. That was like hood, one yeah. percent yeah. straight up hood. <laughs> yeah. You go anywhere farther beyond a hundred twenty fifth street, hood. That's yeah. it. But where I lived at, I lived on 90th in Amsterdam, all right? Mm. And that was, like, the Upper West Side. Okay. And, um, like, in that area, it was, like, this precipice of, like, this, like, the little, it's, like, pretty much, like, uh, the borderline okay. of the two. Because yeah. um, I was, like, right where uh, Riverside was. And Riverside, and going from, like, Broadway down to West End to Riverside, oh, man. That was white. That was like pretty much just hardcore white neighborhood. That was a very white neighborhood, very rich white neighborhood, very rich mm. old New York City white neighborhood. But then going from my avenue towards Central Park, joining Central Park West, that was like the hood New York City. That mm. was the other side of old New York City. You know, yeah. that was where like you had the projects were all on that side, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, there were very two halves in New York City. I I encountered both halves because I went to a school um, that was on uh, the upper west of the upper west side near Central Park West that was called the, that was up in Midtown Manhattan, mm-hmm. which was like pretty much this little academy school, it was a private school, and I was the only black kid there, so it was surrounded mm-hmm. by white kids. Yeah. But then after that, when I went to high school, I went to my first public school, and it was very uh, full of black kids. So I saw both halves, but because of that. Um, when I was younger and embracing geek culture, it was very much a thing of like, yeah, you can you can embrace geek culture when you're surrounded by white white people because you know there is no stigmata. Mm-hmm. You know, you could be a white geek and you can be a white nerd, and there's no stigmata to it mm-hmm. at all. 
like you can embrace that geek culture and not be viewed as an outsider because you know you don't match the skin color of so many characters that are in pop culture. Right. But yeah. then when I got older and then um I was surrounded by more black kids and I was still into the geek culture, that's when I really regressed myself because at that time when I was growing up, to see black characters in geek culture was nothing. You we had nothing at that time. Yeah, there was yeah. no characters for us in the front and foremost at that time outside of static shock. Mm-hmm. That was like, you know, representing us. Yeah. So you couldn't be a comic book fan and be proud and be and be surrounded by black kids at the time because it was like they're like, oh, that's that white nerd shit you're into. And yeah. that's what it was for me, you know? Mm-hmm. And it like it was either I when before I was so I was able to embrace myself, but then when I got into high school, it was like, oh, you're into that white nerd shit. Like that's all it yeah. was. That's all it was at the time. There was mm-hmm. it was very, it wasn't yet like uh geek culture, anime and everything was at that time wasn't yet ingrained into urban culture like it is now we have it wasn't we didn't adopt it yet so it was very hard to really get into geek culture and be black at the time and be open about it without getting like ridiculed or being say oh you're like white people shit or that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff you know it's 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 a very it was a very like closeted time of my life to be (laughs) a geek at that time you know yeah um and it, I, it was, it was, it was weird. You know, it was a very weird time. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, I, I bet, I imagine you're probably celebrating. You know, when Spawn and Blade came out, <laughs> you're like, look, oh, totally. <laughs> yeah, I loved it. Yeah, it, it was like, like it was like this moment of like, haha, we did it. Look, yeah, yeah, yeah. We got, we got black characters now, and it's Wesley Snipes and Michael J. White. You know, the two yeah. most powerful black men at the time. You know, like, hey, they're strong. They're really cool. You know. Yeah. Uh, man, would it be awesome if Michael J. White and Wesley Snipes had a fight together in a movie? I feel oh, like God. we've been robbed. We have been. I robbed. feel like we've been robbed of a Wesley Snipes and Michael J. White movie. Yeah. Taxes is the problem. I'm going to blame taxes. Because <laughs> 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 uh, you know Wesley yeah. Snipes don't fuck with taxes. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. I totally. I think it's. Uh, it is interesting, like to see, and it, you know, I think what's really fascinating for me, like growing up, I grew up also in a similar situation of like not going to a school with a lot of um, black people. Like we've talked about this, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I had pressure from other people in my in my class, white and and uh, and Latin and, and indigenous people who assumed that because I was black, I should act a certain way. But like, it sounds like yeah. at the time, and maybe this, cause it was, maybe it's because you're in middle school. Like you didn't have that same pressure from the private school kids. Yeah. Like I didn't, I think it was because, uh, I, because I grew up, I didn't grow up around any black kids when I was little, none mm-hmm. at all yeah, whatsoever. Yeah. So I didn't know, I didn't yeah. know how I was supposed to act. I was mm-hmm. just being a kid, you know, yeah, that's sure. all I was doing. Yeah, there were other people, like, when I saw other people of color, but it was also the same situation for them. It was like, yeah, we're people of color in a predominantly white space. We're not going to act like, you know, we're, we're going to code switch. So, because mm-hmm. they also were told by their parents, like, hey, you need to act a certain way when you're in mm-hmm. these spaces. So, yeah. that's what I saw. So, that's what I pretty much grew up just like. 
I didn't know what it what it was meant to be black, what it was meant to be properly black or mm-hmm. something. Yeah. So then when I got into high school and I was surrounded by black kids, it was a culture shock for me. Yeah. It was yeah. honestly a culture shock because it's like, oh, so this is what it means to be acting black. And then I had that moment of sitting back and I'm like, then what the hell was I doing all this time? <laughs> You know? Also being black. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I didn't know that. I didn't uh, no, know yeah, 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 yeah. at the time. Yeah. Um, I didn't know that. Oh, so I was being black too. Like, no, at that time, I thought I was supposed to be acting a very yeah. certain way For of sure. being black. But man, yeah. like, uh, <laughs> wait, uh, can, can we say the N word on this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The first time I heard someone say nigga in front of me, I was like, whoa, whoa, we can do this? We can do this now? What yeah. is this magic? So it was a, it was such, it was a very much of a culture shock for me. Yeah. Because I was like, oh, so this is black culture. Mm-hmm. But then as I went through high school, that's when it, that's when it clicked for me. I was always black. Mm-hmm. There was never a time when I wasn't black. Yeah. It was just that I had no reference right. of blackness around me. I just took whatever reference of black of blackness around me that I could grab, and mm-hmm. I applied that to myself. But then it's it's and I and I hope that whoever is listening to this and they're having that moment too of like when they had a moment of like, am I black enough? You got to remember. Blackness is not a monolith. Blackness mm-hmm. is such a spectrum of what you bring to it. Yeah. As long as you are paying, as long as you're paying like homage to black folk before you, as mm-hmm. long as you are understanding our culture, our when I when I say our culture, not just our culture, but our struggles and mm-hmm. everything that goes along with it, and as long as you acknowledge that. Before you, there was a lot of other stuff that was there. They were doing awesome things. Yep. As long as you acknowledge that, you're black. You know, Ign- like you don't have to like match what society is telling you, what cultures tell, what pop culture is telling you. Just acknowledge as long as you understand that your blackness is what you make of it, and you respecting the black folk before you. That's it. That's all you have to do. Yeah. And it took me a long time to realize that. And you yeah. know. And I wish I I learned that much like a, like much earlier in my childhood instead of like deep in my high school career. Mm-hmm. Um, and I it will probably have helped me out maybe surviving <laughs> high school a little bit easier. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I feel like that was another struggle that I, I I had to deal with outside of just like being a geek while being black growing up, but also just yeah. learning while what being black was. Yeah, I mean it really it really is true. Like for one, I mean most of us can't you you know you can't control it like people are going to see you and immediately perceive you as black which is like fine that's good but also like that comes with its own connotations it comes with its own um expectations its own rules kind of that you like unwritten rules that you have to follow uh in public and um i mean god my wife and i we went and took our kids for a walk Right. behind her friend's house and um like it was like a there was a business place and it was like open parking lot like you know there was no gate or anything like that mm-hmm. and uh 
we went walking and this lady came and well, she, first she like, we passed by her property and she was like, Hey, this is a private road. And we're like, uh, okay. Like it's literally an open road, but whatever. Um, so we just moved on and when we came back. She had blocked in our vehicles, uh, older white lady. And she's putting notes in our cars, telling us that we're not allowed back there. Um, and then, so my wife's like, what are you doing? Like, don't talk to our stuff. So this whole time, like this thing's going on, my wife's confronting this lady and I'm just like, I'm going to protect my kids, but I also can't say anything to this old white woman because that is, that's a situation. Um, and understanding that, like, even though like, you know, I'm not like, I wasn't like wearing like baggy clothes, Mm -hmm. like I'm not carrying a weapon. You know what I mean? Like none of that matters when it's coming down to perception in in social spaces and i i mean it sucks but it's also something you you can't just ignore it just because you think it sucks no like it's 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 one of those things you just it's like i i always play i always have this one phrase i say is that uh being a person of color is like playing life on dante must die mode is that (laughs) you gotta understand it's like 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 you, we, we're living life just like everyone else. And we're just like living life in a little bit of an extra difficulty, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, sure. um, <laughs> and it's in, and that, and I, I, it's a shame that we got to tell people younger than us this, but it's like, mm-hmm. Hey, yeah. it's, it's, it is what it is. And like, just to circle even back, that just goes back to even just being black while being a geek. It's, yeah, it is what it is. It's, it, for for us growing up, it was a it w- it was a very hard thing to do just to be geek and be black because it's like you are seen because you are seen one specific way while you're black. Mm-hmm. But it's like no, but I really like comic books. You know, yeah, yeah. I really like comic books. I really like cartoons. You know, yeah, I'm tall. I'm like I'm six foot six and I'm black. Yeah. You you already know there's like a Oreo shopping list of ways people perceive me. Yep. You know, yep. so it's it's rough. It's rough. You know. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Why aren't you on the basketball team, Wally? Why- oh boy. <laughs> Why aren't you a wide receiver, Wally? Okay, I was right. I was wide receiver. Okay, okay, okay. I was wide receiver. I never did basketball because everyone told me to play basketball. So mm. I was a forward in soccer. I was a wide receiver. I was left field. Um, yeah. <laughs> I dabbled in hockey just mm. to spite. I did all that just to spite everyone. Yeah. To for me to play ba- for play bas- to play basketball. But no, I do not play basketball at all out of sheer spite. And I refuse to play basketball because I am just bitter about this and full of spite and everything towards everyone who told me I should play basketball growing up. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, people like would be baffled because I, 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 I'm, I'm not good at basketball. Like, I'll just say it. I'm just not good. Like I can, you know, it's never been a thing that like, naturally clicked with me and if it didn't naturally click with me i was going to move on like i enjoy being good at stuff so yeah you enjoy being good at stuff too yeah (laughs) Yeah. that also yeah so i was like nah i'm I'm good so yeah the the look on people's faces when they're like oh wait what (laughs) you can't play (laughs) that's no no (laughs) leave me alone (laughs) i'll race you in track and field or play some football but like yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) i'll dust you in track and field but oh boy (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah it is it's so interesting i mean even like you know 
because we do, we have those expectations on ourselves. Um, and you're right. Like being, being a black geek is, is very much its own thing, um, that, that you have to deal with. I, I think given that aspect of it, like did, were you introduced to TTRPGs in high school or was it much later in life that you kind of um, got approached with those? So I was introduced to, T- to TTRPGs at two points in my life. Um, well, the first point was as a child and the second point was when I was a teenager. The okay. first point was when I was a child. Um, so uh, grow- my mom, growing, growing up, my mom is a super fundamentalist Baptist Christian woman. Southern Baptist Christian woman, hardcore. Yeah. I was born in 1982. Yeah. So you can already see where this is going. <laughs> yeah. um, so growing up, my mom was hardcore to thinking with the whole satanic panic thing with yeah. D&D. Um, to a point, there was this old like uh, Christian radio drama series called Adventures in Odyssey that did an episode about uh, the satanic panic and it was a basically about how this kid had a cousin who came from California who introduced them to TTRPGs and they were almost going to co- they were going to conduct a blood sacrifice because it was part of the game and uh so i grew up hardcore thinking that all like D&D was evil and yeah. it was full of satan and stuff but there was other this like there was other side of me it was like there was also like hold on <laughs> sounds really cool. Yeah. So, um, like I was, so I was just like very curious about mm. it, regardless. So, um, but I never like opened the book because I felt like I would have gotten in trouble if yeah, I yeah. even touched a D and D book. But I saw them everywhere I went. <laughs> I saw them all the time. But then, um, when I was around, I want to say my 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 thirteen, fourteen, uh, I went to summer camp, and uh, there was a. TTRPG club at the summer camp. Mm. Um, and the game we were playing wasn't D&D. It was a game called Tunnels and Trolls. So, in my mind, <laughs> this isn't D&D. Yeah. This is a completely different game. This is not linked to Satan because they said Dungeons and Dragons is linked <laughs> to Satan, not Tunnels and Trolls. So, my, here's my logic growing up. I will play every other TTRPG that isn't D&D. That's yeah. how I'll get away with like role playing. So, uh I played this game Tunnels of Trolls. It was a very basic game. I think the game is like still talked about now. It was mm. like I think it was like a 2D6 system and okay. everything. Um but that got me into less of like TTRPGs but just the idea of role playing mm. of just doing like role play stuff. That was so cool. I yeah. fell in love with that. So after summer camp was over, I didn't like also like I was at that time, I was still surrounded by a bunch of other black kids. I was like finally hanging out with the black kids growing up, but I got bit hard by the role play bug. Yeah. But there was no one I could do this with. And it was, I felt so like, ah, I want to do this, but I, I can't. There's no one I can do this with. I want to yeah. role play. I got so addicted to it. I wanted to do something with it, right? Then came the internet, and I learned about online role play forums, and that is where I buried all of all of this energy for a role play that I had. It went all into this onset online role play forums and online role play chat groups and chat rooms and everything. Man, yeah. I went into it 
hard, like really hard that like my mom was like worried, like why I was in the internet for so late hard because <laughs> yeah. I was doing nothing but role play because I had all, I, I got bit by the bug and I wanted to experience it. Mm-hmm. I wanted to make original characters. I put the thing is, because I was growing up in the middle of the hood in the 90s. There was yeah. no one offering that at mm-hmm. all whatsoever for me. Like at that time, like to be black and wanted like to do tabletop role play, unheard of. You know, yeah. you would never find that in, in New York City. So, and then on top of that, my mom was like deep, was like having me deep within the church. So I couldn't talk about that. I wanted to do this and is in the church because it's like, whoa, that's that Satan stuff there. And then on top of that, like to say I want to play D and D to a bunch of black kids, like, whoa, that's <laughs> a white nerd shit that's like hanging out in the suburbs, hanging out in someone's basement with Mountain Dew shit. Like I couldn't do that either. So I'm just sitting here. I'm like, hmm. All right. I guess I'll stick to online role play. It is. And so yeah, that was where I like really developed it really mm-hmm. gained all my energy and like just unleashed it out there. Cause I, I had nowhere else to go with it. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. So like, did you continue through that? Like, was there any other breaks that once you got into the forum stuff? I mean, obviously oh, no. like switching to like teacher RPGs, but. Oh no, it was, that was it. Like, um, well, no. So I was playing a TTRPGs, in online forums. Gotcha. Okay. That's where it got to the point where we were using systems like uh, the Bessem system, Big Eye, Small Mouth system, which was another 2D6 system. Mm-hmm. And people would make, um, we would when we would do online roleplay for us, we would make character sheets. Oh, wow. And uh, we would then like use dice bots to make mm. dice rolls. Like we would just do normal chatting, like playing, but then we're like, oh yeah, make a, make a roll for this. Like we would even plan like weekend events where we would like have like big story plot points happen. Yeah. But we were just like, hey, what is everyone doing this time? It's like, we're gonna do this, we're gonna do this big event of the storyline. Who goes, who wants to be down? Who wants to be in? Yeah. And it was like a, it was big events for us. Like I remember uh <laughs> one um one chat room I was in was this big anime role play, was this big anime role play chat room, right? Mm-hmm. Um, where we ended up making Gen 2 characters of anime characters. Yeah. And a big because Naruto was out at the time. Yeah. Uh, a lot of our characters were were Gen 2 Naruto characters <laughs> and mine was uh Rock Lee's kid. Nice. It was it was it was it was, it was he was my favorite character everybody. I yeah. should remake that character for someone. <laughs> I should do that. But um but like we and we had like these amazing stories where we would we continue we like one story one chat room we had was basically continuing the story of Naruto after Naruto ended, like mm. what happened after Naruto became the Hokage, you know, yeah. what was, what was the world like? And we continued those stories. And it was, it was like, it was like before like Shippuden came out also. So yeah. when Shippuden came out, we're like, wait a minute, hold on. <laughs> you know, we were like, if you we were renting all of our plans, we're like, no, we're going to work with this. We're going to work with this. We're going to, yeah. we're going to keep on going. Um, but yeah, it, it was, it was like, we still, I, I was still doing like TTRPGs, but it wasn't yeah. at a table. Yeah. It was just in a chat room and we had character sheets. We had dices. We had these big game days where we would do we would play a game for hours upon hours just to tell a story. You know, we would have people would say, Hey, I want to do this event. Do you can I run an event? Like, yeah, sure. You get to GM this event. It yeah. was we had moments where people could be DMs, where people can 
do these things. But it just, I didn't realize that what I was doing this, that I was GMing, that I was doing this, but I was playing TTRPGs, but it was just because it wasn't at a table. It yeah. was online in a forum, but it had all the same elements and everything. So you were it primed. Was, you were primed for the AP space. Oh uh, yes, I was <laughs> primed and ready for it. I didn't even realize that I was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's incredible. It's so funny. Like I think because there's still people that are getting used to it, right? Like who have spent their whole lives mm-hmm. playing at the table uh, with their friends um, and making that adjustment to the digital space um but yeah like it's interesting to always hear like about the forum space because that's the thing that i just never did um i didn't really have like good internet access as a kid um so if i was ever like in a chat room it was like i was at a friend's house and we're just like trying to like talk to girls um uh, or who we thought were girls at least you know uh because it's the internet and and internet of course course, yeah um but yeah so i think like it's always fascinating to hear about that because i I just like, I'd never got to experience it, but I, I, people love it like mm-hmm. to this day, you know? Um, but yeah, <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah. Cause like, I, I never realized that when it comes to like just being the, in that online space, it was just prepping me for doing, you know, APs, like doing AP and like online in the digital space of TTRPGs. I, yeah. it was like you said, I was primed for it. I didn't even realize it, you know? Yeah. 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 And now, I mean, you, you've done a bunch of different APs. You're, you're doing like playtesting for people and stuff like that. Like, um, do you feel like, was there at all a transition for you getting into like the Twitter online space for APs and stuff like that? Or was it just like kind of a natural progression because you were already doing the forums and as it, it, it grew? It felt, it felt like a natural progression. Like, because it just felt like I just went from one platform of playing games to another Mm. one. And then it kind of bubbled over to like, yeah, we're going to do shows with them. And I'm and like, I was nervous at first. The first time when I got my first time to do it, I was pretty nervous at first. But I was like, no, this is this is just like what I've been doing before. It's it's Mm. no different. You know, this is nothing different at all. So I just took it to like a fish with water, you know. Um, And I think that's kind of like. How I think I think that's why I kind of go into this into the TTRPG into the TTRPG space like I do now, like with this mindset because it's like I've been doing this already for all of these years, so yeah. it doesn't feel like uh, a new thing for me. Yeah. It just feels like I just went from one platform to another. That's all it was for me. Um, mm-hmm. Like because like playing role playing has been such like an integral part of my life and everything. Um, I I never noticed i never i wouldn't say i was i i did try i did have to work hard to mm. become who i am in the space yeah, yeah. i'm not gonna deny that the mm. grind is 100 there it is totally real but the initial just just getting into it just felt natural you know i was just going out there saying hey what's up to people making connections and then just like going on from there you know mm-hmm. um it's just i just let you know, my own character and just like let like the fact that I just wanna play fun characters with people be that be the be the reason why I want people to play with me. Yeah. And then what I would do is I from every time that I play with someone, I learned something. I learned how I learned something from their role play style. I would watch other APs. I would learn what they were doing. I would develop my own skills by watching other people. So um getting into it 
was easy for me. It was a yeah. very easy transition. I would say that the hard part was growing myself into who I am now mm-hmm. was a very hard was a very hard thing for me to do because um, I'm no longer kind of I I can't I am doing this is because it's very fun and I enjoy doing it. Yeah. But also now I'm doing this because I want to be here. Yeah. You know, I mm-hmm. want people to know I'm here. Yeah. So, you know, I got to work really hard on doing the thing that's always been hard for me is talk about myself and talk about <laughs> yeah. my accomplishments, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's uh it's been difficult and easy. It was very yeah. difficult and easy. Yeah. Um so and I can cut this out if you want, but do are you okay and or interested in talking about autism? Yes, totally, totally. Okay. So, so in my own experience growing up, um, and I'm just a few years younger than you, but like growing up, like autism wasn't a thing that was necessarily had like any like broad understanding. It was like very specific to people who needed a lot of support. Mm-hmm. Um, and less specific to people who needed less support or no or n- really no support. Um, and so I'm curious for you, like growing up, you know, we've, we've talked about like the background of that, but like, when did you find out about it? And like, uh, I guess, how do you feel like that experience sort of, um, what's the word colored your, your growing up? Um, so uh, I I didn't know growing up. I was put through the whole all the tests. I took a lot of the tests growing up, but I didn't realize yeah. that's what it was. Um, I was under the impression that it was like the tests, like if I was specially educated, if I needed to take mm. special education, mm. that was under the impression. But when I looked back at it as an old as an adult, I was like, oh no no no, this was one hundred percent the test for autism. Yeah. Um, and then I re- and then like I was in a lot of special ed classes growing up. I was in my mother held me back one year. Um, but there was a lot of things that I didn't realize what my mother was doing because they she didn't she was the type of person that didn't enjoy giving things a name if mm. they were bad. Yeah. And I had autism growing up. They called it ADHD. They, they diagnosed me as ADHD. They gave me Ritalin and everything. But before that, like I was 100% diagnosed with autism. But because my mom was the way she was, she didn't want for me to be called that. Mm-hmm. Because she thought like instantly means I'm broken. I'm mm. this. But that's not what I am. I'm yeah, 100% yeah. not that. Um, but uh, the way like really like, like colored my lifestyle growing up was is that um there was a lot of moments where now that I look back at it now and mm. now that I have a good definition for it now that yeah my life had a lot of moments of that I was in special classes I was in smaller class groups I was in group I was in classes that kept me away from the main classes because you know I had special needs mm-hmm. they uh, a lot of the grow a lot of times growing up um I would always wonder like why I like how can I how can I put it like this uh um I always felt that growing up um I always felt like I was in this 
very nonverbal box growing yeah. up. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was also something that self like I was very not I was very nonverbal growing up yeah. too. Um, that was that's kind of like what really started it for my mom that she was I was a very nonverbal kid growing up. A lot of teachers would say that I was very sensitive. Mm. You know, I was very sensitive. Um, I was a quiet, well-behaved child, you know. Um, and but when that kind of translates over to being a teenager, mm-hmm. it translates from being quiet and well-behaved to being creepy and quiet and <laughs> everything, you know. Yeah. And couple that on but the fact that I was like six foot, six foot tall mm-hmm. and rail thin skin, like like real thin skinny. Like I was tall and slender with long limbs. And all I wanted to do was stay in the background and do this all the time. You know, yeah. yeah. I did not want people to perceive me. I wanted to always shrink into the background, you know. Um, it was it was a lot of the things that like I grew up that I'm now I'm just now learning a lot of my mm. habits that I had growing up. I'm just now learning was just me doing my best to mask my autism because growing up, my mom told me the things that made me autistic my various my various stimming the various Mm -hmm. things i did the way when i get really excited my voice goes up an octave and i talk really loud like those things my my parents would tell me don't do that you don't want to draw a lot of attention to yourself you don't want to have people think you're this you don't want people to think you're that so i put up all of these masks growing up to, to mask my autism and now, now I am just learning about my mask that I put up, and I'm learning to slowly peel them away one after another. And it, it, it's it's a it's a really big feeling of like learning to love myself, mm-hmm. and kind of also being upset. And I wish that I had this knowledge back when I was younger. Yeah, you know, instead of like just hiding myself because like. And it's something that I learned recently also when it comes to masking is that not, when, you're, when you're masking with autism is one thing, but when you're masking with autism while also code switching as a person of color, it is the most exhausting thing <laughs> yeah. that you could ever do because you're not only hiding your, your, you, your you, but you're also shifting the way you talk <laughs> to yeah. make sure everyone around you feels comfortable around you. It's, it's who you're speaking who, you directly know? to my soul. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, absolutely. I mean, I think that's a very good point. First of all, thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's, it really is so true. Like those two things combined um, on top of all the other perceptions that we carry that we already talked about. Like it, it is, it's exhausting. It's, you know, the, you go through a whole, a whole work day or a whole school day. And by the end of the day, you're just like, I fucking don't want to talk to another person, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know? Um, and yeah, it's, it is, I mean, it's, it's interesting because like on the one hand, um, I think that there's evidence to show that like people of color are especially underdiagnosed. Uh, mm-hmm, they are, yes. Um, especially as kids. And so I, I think it's, um, it's fascinating that you, you got that diagnosis as young as you were. Um, but yeah, it's still tough. Like you're still, even now, talking about um, on your birthday, uh, turning 40, uh, yeah. looking 
me uh and and uh and and still processing some of this stuff and going through it so like yeah i think it's thank you for sharing again because i I do think it's people to hear um who are also going through similar things of like trying to discover what things about ourselves are like oh yeah this is i do this because of this and i you know never realized that's why i thought it was like I just thought I was a big introvert. Like that was my thing for a long time. I was just like, I just, I'm just an introvert, you know, and mm-hmm. I don't like, yeah. <laughs> you know, well, like, yes, but also. <laughs> yeah. Cause it was a whole thing of like, I thought I was just a big introvert, but then I was like, but wait a minute, I'm way too charming and social to be an introvert. It like, it just didn't click. Mm-hmm. You no know, mm-hmm. certain things just was not clicking and making sense. So once I finally was able to figure that out, I was like, Oh, everything makes sense. Like, I'm just going to recommend a book to you. It's called Unmasking Autism. Yeah. Such a great book. I highly recommend you give it a read. It's like, it opened Mm. my mind to so many things and made me realize things about myself. Yeah. Yeah. I've been seeing a lot of people share that um, on Twitter. And it's definitely something I want to pick up because, yeah, it seems seems like a good good mm-hmm. read for me so yeah yeah for sure well yeah very cool um th- one other thing i there's no way i could let you leave this interview if we don't talk about uh the tricks so oh boy <laughs> we will be spending the next 20 oh, to 30 minutes oh boy. <laughs> okay okay yes yes um yeah so uh i've had uh Lexi and CJ mm-hmm. and Austin on the show. Yeah. Um, so obviously have some background into it, but like for you, you know, how, what, like what, what, what was that like getting brought into it? Uh, like, did it take much convincing from Lexi? I'm sure it didn't cause Lexi's oh, incredible, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. Like how did that happen for you? Um, so it was, it was, it did not take much convincing. Like Lexi just approached me and said, Hey, I'm doing this all black Strixhaven um, TTRPG AP. And I was wondering if you would like to be interested. And uh, I wanted to be like, just to be in like a, an all all black AP is something right. I always wanted. Yeah. So of course I'm going to say yes. And also like several people on the cast, like I knew right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just Lexi is just, was just someone I've always wanted to work with. For mm-hmm. the longest. So it was very shocked when I see she came up to me and said, Hey, I want to work there. I'm like, no, what? No, why? <laughs> yeah. You know? um, but yeah, when uh the it was just like 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 fish to water. Like mm-hmm. we as a cast, we all met up with each other. Like, yeah, we all had history with each other, but um even those who had no history with each other, it was just like instant. Yes, yeah. it was instant vibes were there. Um, we just vibed with each other instantly. We were already making characters like and how we were fleshing them out with each other right off the bat. It was it was like one of those feelings of like going like, Are you sure you guys never really played with each other at the table before? <laughs> yeah. kind of Seriously, it was yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's I mean, as a as a viewer, that's how it felt of just like the times when y'all would just like go off on these like combined little like scenes of just like like you know talking back and forth and like creating this moment of like weird tension with Mm -hmm. with lexi's npcs where y'all are just like continuing to just keep keep throwing stuff at her um yeah i love it i think it's it's so cool was this your first 
time playing at an all black table? Yes. Oh yeah. wow. Oh oh wow. Yes. Oh wow. Yes. This was <laughs> my first time playing at an all black table. Like uh yeah. yeah. Yeah, this was my first time. Um it was it's 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 an experience. Mm-hmm. It, it it it's 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 the experience of like dropping the code mm-hmm. of codes of dropping of like you never realize how much you code switch even when you're doing APs. Yeah. When you're around yeah. a table of all black people. And it's like we we went into this realizing, oh yeah, that black energy is gonna be here and we're gonna like <laughs> lean hard into it. And we are gonna be unapologetically black with it. Mm-hmm. And we don't care. Mm-hmm. You know, we want this is this is what we want. We want people to turn on their screens and see an all black AP and make them want to go, yeah, I want to do this too, because if they can do it, so can I, mm-hmm. you know, um, because it's like, we, we, that's, that's all we want. That's, that's all we really want at the end of the day. You know, we just want that good representation to be seen by other people. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. It's, it is, it's really cool. I've been, I've been lucky to be a guest on two different all black shows and it's, and both times it's been mm-hmm. absolutely incredible because it, it, it is, it's like, it's a completely different energy. Um, and I think it just like really, it's just so, I don't know, like it just gives you life, you know, like, it does. And that's, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's how I felt when I watched the show. I was just like, oh my God, this is the best thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's cause like I even like, and uh, we joke about it, but like, man, I just feel so rejuvenated when I mm-hmm. leave a call with them. You know, because it's like afterwards, I just feel, ah, this is such the great energy. I love having this energy. I love being able to walk away from this and just just have this joy uh, in my life, you know? Yeah. Yeah. What was the inspiration behind creating Dante? Um, So I know I like I know like his voice. I definitely stole it from that key and piece, that key and peel skit um, (laughs) of Barack Obama. But (laughs) the inspiration for Dante, um, it, it, it really came from a place of like of like my own story mm-hmm. of someone who feels like they are on the outside when when life is going to perceive you being one thing mm-hmm. but all you want to do is do what you want to do yeah and dante's story is a story of like learning to love all parts of yourself and mm-hmm. wanting to do what you want to do in life, despite what other people tell you, how you yeah. should be doing life. Um, and I really hope that's a story that uh, people can get from that I'm telling with him. Yeah. Uh, this game, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think it's like, it's really cool because it, there are so many layers. Like, and it's, you know, the first season, we're, we're still not done because of technical difficulties, but mm-hmm. um, the, the first season, in the first two episodes, you can already see like this, this desire to be one thing, this like, uh, also like trying to live this social life and also like being like, you know, brilliant and like navigating that in a social context, um, which is tough. Like, you know, when you try to have those conversations yeah. and so, yeah, I, I think what I, that's one of the things that I really love is that you get this impression of these characters and then you get the depth of the characters as it goes through and you can see like the relationships they build and how they interact with each other and you know stuff like that yeah and it's like 
like once you once you hear like the last couple episodes of this season, you'll see like we we had we had many moments of just going of of just having us at the table going, oh, this is what we're doing with this. Okay, like I I cannot wait for you guys to see the rest of rest of this season that we have planned out, and w- definitely what we have going forward for coming yeah. up soon. It's gonna be so great. Highly suggest you guys check it out. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's perfect. Um. Yeah. And so, like, do you have other big APs that you're that you're working on? I know, like you you just had one recently get nominated for. Um, yeah, New Jersey Web Fest. Yeah, um, so I was part of Super Dylan's um, Coed and Cambria setting AP called Lost Among yeah. the Fanks, and it was nominated several times for a New Jersey Web Fest. Yeah, it won a New Jersey Web Fest award for best costume design. That's awesome. Um, but yeah, we were nominated a bunch of times, and you know what? As I told other people, uh. This was the greatest. This is the greatest cure for like my imposter syndrome ever. Because mm-hmm. like whenever I feel like oh, I don't know why I'm here doing this, I'm like, no, <laughs> I was nominated by a board of officials, which yeah. means they looked at me and went, yeah, there's something special about them. So yeah. I, 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 even if we did, even if I didn't win, even if like we didn't win all the awards, I definitely take that. That it shows that our skills as performers are being recognized and being seen and yeah. being noticed. And I take that as a win no matter what. Yeah. Um, but that was like, that was that. Uh, I'm also currently um, doing over at Norian's ch- channel. I'm playing a Final Fantasy Tactics uh, TTRPG using the Valor system, which is a really fantastic system. I, I, I love it. Aaron, I yeah. think they're still in Kickstarter right now. Um, that's one big uh, other big TTRPG I'm in right now, and of course, you know the Strix is yeah. my other my other baby. Um, those are two big ones I'm in. Um, you'll probably see me around other stuff. I mean, because like I I just I just want to play with people, really. You know, yeah. I, and I kind of like do this whole thing. It's like, yep, every season I try to lay out the stuff that I'm gonna do for the season and just let it ride until that season is over. And once the new one rolls around, all right, let's see what I can get myself into for the next season. You know, yeah. Do you do you like to be a player more than a GM? I do. I I yeah. do like to be a player more than a GM. Um, I do like GMing, um, but I love being a player yeah. more than anything. Because like, yeah, I like telling the stories, but I don't know. I just really like playing a character yeah. more than telling a story than anything. Yeah, they both have like a really big appeal because like there's a specificity to like, yeah, this is the character I'm playing, and I get to like really hone in on that story and and mm-hmm. their interactions um yeah yeah for sure i get it like i'm starting a new ap with some friends and we got to play our first official session this past week and it, yeah i'm just like fuck this is so good but then i also have this like gm brain that's like okay i'm listening to the, my other friends role play and i'm like all right oh, i i like this is the way i would weave this story you know what i mean like yeah ooh, like oh, i just I think, made a decision like how would i do that <laughs> i think the best part of that is that that's when you like pull that one player aside like so hey you wanna you wanna flesh out some kind of relationship with these two characters you know because i i feel like when you have a bunch of dms at a table not only do you get like great player stuff Mm-hmm. You get play great player moments, but you have great moments of interpersonal RP between players. Yes. Because it's it's like, yeah, we 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 know what it's like, you know, we know how to do that kind of stuff. 
Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I, it's, it's, I, I love when I have a good table. People just want to do that good interpersonal role play. Yeah. It's, it's hard to beat. Um, I think like that's one of the, one of the great things about it, you know, because there's so many opportunities and because so many people are going to like a short forum, mm-hmm. right. Just, you know, shorter series and not, not completely long podcasts or, 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 uh, APs in general. Um, I think, yeah, it's a lot of opportunities to like get to play with multiple people, get to try a lot of that stuff out. Um, so yeah, hell yeah. Yeah. So what's, what's on the, what's on the board today, Wally, for, for your birthday? Oh man, today, um, today is, I'm recording this, uh, last, this is the last, this is the last thing I'm recording today. Well, no, I have, uh, tonight I have the next episode of Tales of You Lions. Um, but today for the, for the birthday, it is, um, just a day of just relaxing because oh, yeah. I've been working way too hard these past <laughs> couple of weeks. And, uh, like, uh, I, I, I just been having it really rough work wise. So mm. it's like, you know what? I need this time off. Like it got to the point when I was like last week on the Friday, like this Friday past, I came into work with zero desire to do any work. <laughs> yeah. And my boss saw me like, so while well, you plan on doing any work today? I was like, nope, I <laughs> plan on doing no work today at all. I plan on just sitting at my desk for the entire day and just running out the clock. And my boss looks at me and goes, you know what? I respect that. I 100% respect that you do your day. And he just left me alone for the entire day. He just let me like to my own devices. Yeah. Cause like, like it was like, I, I had, it was a rough, it was a past rough year for me. You know, he's like, you know what? Yeah. You earned this. Go on. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Hell yeah. I mean, that's good that your boss lets you get away with that for sure. Yeah. Cause it was like, he just like, you know what? Yeah. You had, also like I busted my ass like, like mm-hmm. pretty much like because this was like my last week before my vacation that just passed. I made sure I busted my ass. I made sure I finished all my projects and everything like that, yeah. so that I could, when that Friday comes, when my boss says, "Well, I did this," I'm like, "Yes, I did." Did you? <laughs> yes, I did. Leave my desk. Do not talk to me for the rest of the day. <laughs> yeah, it's all done. <laughs> it's all done. You have nothing yeah. to ask me. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, like, it, it, would you, given that, like, mm-hmm. is Teach RPGs as a career something that interests you? Oh, totally. Like, yeah. But the thing is, it's like I if if I could uh, just like be a paid TTRPG performer. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. If so, if I was if like I could find a way to modernize just me going from like game to game and making money off of it. Totally, mm-hmm. I one percent will. But thing is, just to be like a performer alone in the TTRPG space is. So so much more difficult yes than being a writer a mm-hmm. game de- it's so much it's because when you're a performer in the ttrpg space you're instantly viewed right off the bat as one thing oh you're just someone who wants to play games mm-hmm. no one thinks right off the bat what you're doing is being taken seriously because yeah. you're just a performer like, mm-hmm. did you write anything? No. Then why are you here? Because I'm a performer. I, yeah. You understand. Yes, you can easily turn around and say, oh, I can get a game dev to play in the game. You, you would be surprised that a lot of the game devs, they don't play games well. They are mm-hmm. great developing the games, but maybe they don't want to play the games. Yes. That's why I think performers and playtesters are like, you need people, you need performers to playtest these games. 
to not just play test them in like to like you know to break the game to see what is what can and what can't. No, you need performers to treat this game like it was a performance. Like go mm-hmm. all out with it. Like you gotta, you need us to like take the game and say, okay, I want my character to be able to do this, this, and this, and this as I describe this. Can I do this in this game? If you can't answer that, then I already proven your game is not playable. Yeah. You know, like, and it's a shame. It really, I don't know. It just kind of bugs me every now and then when performers who are j- people who are just performers and playtesters aren't really given that same same revenance as someone who is just you know who is a game dev who is a content mm-hmm. who is a writer and everything yeah. tc person and i'm not talking about like someone who is on the big name shows no i'm talking about people who are on the regular a- these little tiny ap's that you see every single week left and right mm-hmm. these are people who are putting who are putting themselves out there for your entertainment mm-hmm. and like to the fact that I got nominated for best AP, that's something I would have thought I would have never, ever achieved by mm. doing this. Because in my mind, I'm thinking, who the hell cares about like these little <laughs> AP performers? Yeah. We're not the critical roles. We're not the Dimension 20s. We're not seen on the cable networks and on the big Twitch channels every now and then. No, we are just random people. Mm-hmm. So, like... I just want that's why I just want more people just to give reverence to the not just the the people who write, not just the people who develop games, but the people who play the games, not as just for each other, but for entertainment reasons. Mm-hmm. I feel like more people should just go out there and say, hey, let's not forget about the performers out there. Yeah. Let's not forget about them that they play such a role in game diving because Without them, who's going to play our games? You know? Like, yes, yes, you could have people, like, little small home games, but to have someone play your game on a screen and stream it to the world, that's the greatest feeling in the world. You cannot deny that's a great feeling. So, you know, we're part part of the system, too. And I just, I just hope that, you know, uh, I, I, I just hope that, uh, that, that that pe- more people will just you know pay reverence like like you know recognize that yeah. we're you know we're a part of the system too you know yeah absolutely i think that's a really good point um that not enough people consider so like i'll give an example i'm i am working on becoming a game dev i've written uh um a few games and one of the games that i wrote was like i was writing a big game I am still writing a big game. And in the meantime, I made a joke and then that joke turned into another game. And so I wrote this small game. And then I was like, okay, well, like I'll home test. I'll play it with my my home group. And um, I love my home group. We have fun every time we play. Like we have a blast, but they are not role players. Mm-hmm. And these are narrative games. And so even though it was cool for them to play the game because they're not narrative role-playing people, they didn't interact with the game the way that the game was necessarily intended. Mm-hmm. And so while I was able to get certain feedback on like how easy or difficult was character creation, things like that, like it still wasn't a full experience of like, this is 
I got to see the game played the way I intended for it to be played. Um, and I, I fully agree. And so like looking at it, like, okay, well, who am I going to get to play this next? Like I'm thinking about the role players, the performers that do those great performances that I really love. And I like, oh yeah, that's, this is the, this is a valuable evaluation of what I'm actually doing because these people will like work within the constraints, right? Like you're, mm-hmm. you're a performer that can take a, D&D, which is not a narrative game, and make it narrative. You know what I mean? And not every player can do that. And so I think, yeah, I I fully agree with you. I think that there should be more evidence to that and that we should appreciate the folks who who are performing for us. Because like, if you're literally enjoying an AP, don't be mad that people are, are, you know, being recognized for it or being paid for it or whatever. Like, that's, you enjoyed it. Like I, I, I'm always saying like pay your pay your performers like if you can if you can pay mm-hmm. your performers do it I always I firmly 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 believe in that yeah but also I just feel that AP performers are just don't don't seem to be put on the same pedestal as the small time I you know what I'll say it like this I will say that AP performers you. Uh, you guys out there as AP performers, do not not think yourselves as content creators. You mm-hmm. are 100% content creators. Don't think yourselves that you're not like them. Don't mm-hmm. think you're not a TTRPG content creator. Because you created something and you put it out there in the world to see. You made content for the world to embrace, to absorb, and to take it and do whatever they want with it. Like. Yeah. Do never, never not sell yourself short. Just because you don't have a PDF on DriveThruRPG does not mean you're not a content creator. Yeah. Hell yeah. I think that's a brilliant note to end on. Um, so yeah, I love that. Um, thank you so much, Wally. Oh, you're welcome. I was, this, yeah. is just, this is just great. I just love <laughs> being on podcasts and talking to people. Hell yeah. That's what I love doing. Um, yeah, so one more time again for people who missed at the beginning, where where can folks find you? All right, you can find me uh, on Twitter at W A L L E 132, like the cute little Disney robot. Um, every Monday, you can find me over at Honoria Channel playing some Final Fantasy Tactics CGRPG. You can find me every other Wednesday over at Black Girl Maze Channel for the Strix U. And then every Thursday and Friday, you can find me over at GGK Game Nights for some Monster of the Week and some Dragon Age TTRPG. Hell yeah. Awesome. Thank you again. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you would like to reach out to us, check out the many options on the Anchor app or anchor.fm on your browser. You can also reach us at secretnerdpodcast at gmail.com. Make sure to subscribe to the show. And if you'd like, leave a review to help us grow this thing. Thank you.